who's that? Who's that? Oh, they look a bit muddy. It's 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 Ella, Ella Corrick, a winner. Hi, of, hi, are you okay? Um, yeah, I'm good. For, first of all, before we go into the show, massive congratulations on being the first lady home with the Spine Challenger. Oh, very, very well done indeed. And for all the guests that might not um, know about the Spine or yourself, could you give a a quick little intro and I'll just put the kettle on because I know you like a brew. <laughs> yeah, sure. Thanks. Um, so I'm, I'm Ella Corrick. I'm a GP registrar up in the uh, Outer Hebrides and I'm also with the Hebrides Mountain Rescue Team and I was running in the MRT Spine Challenger um, this uh, this weekend. Brilliant stuff, Ella. No, thanks very much. I've been I've been doing quite a lot. Well, I'm a, I'm a spine geek. I've never run it, but I'm it's one of those races that you you dot follow and you watch and yeah. it's just incredible um what everybody does so yeah spine talk me through well first of all congratulations and um, what was your time for, for um, that? so i finished in 46 54 uh, which was a pretty massive pb for me uh, so i was really really chuffed that's fantastic that is fantastic i was gonna say i i was gonna talk through this spine um because i I hadn't. I didn't really know a lot about you, Ella. I'm normally up to scratch with people, so I've been doing a little bit of research. <laughs> well, for the last couple of days, <laughs> you, you're good, aren't you? You you, you do the distance. You, um, I was reading up about the West Highland Way yeah. of 2018. 2018. Brilliant. Um, I, it, you did it in like 32 hours, 26 minutes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For, it's a 95 mile race with yeah, 14,600 feet of vert. Yeah, that sounds right. Uh, yeah, um, wow, that that was brilliant. And so, other races that you've also done, ultra running um, races. What what else have you done? Um, um, well, my first ultra was uh, a small little ultra called Round the Rock, which is um, I was living in Jersey in the Channel Islands at the time, and it's. Uh, circumnavigation of the islands it's 48 miles as a summer race um so that was my first step up to ultras and i just loved it and i knew that going further was was just more fun for me um and i've done a jurassic coast challenge which is a sort of multi-day event and marathon a day for three days and then i moved up to scotland and i did the west highland way um, oh sorry before that i did the the spine challenger the mrt spine challenge um my first time which was 2017 i think yes. and I, I finished um simultaneously the last finisher and i won by virtue of being the only woman finisher um which uh, i thought was quite a good achievement no, I, yeah i've just been reading through that i'll 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 put in the notes as well the your write-up about oh, that sure. because, because that was something incredible and the person next to you, he's a very good friend, uh, Anthony Captain Dawson. Yeah, uh, yeah. He's and for people that don't know uh, Anthony Captain, he he's he's been blessed with a permanent smile. <laughs> he's, he's one of these guys, and he's just incredible. So yeah, I think I was going to ask you about that in you know the 2017. Was that is that the same race as the Challenger? 
Um, yeah, race. so it's the same yes. one as I as I did this year. So both yeah. occasions I'm in the sort of MRT section, uh, who just set off a little bit later than the other challengers, um, just to make it a, separated, I suppose, for the checkpoints. And um, the course is identical, and we just have um, separated category uh, as MRT runners, and we run sort of representing our teams. Lots of people do fundraise for their teams, but it's mostly just sort of awareness raising because um, the MRT do a lot of um, additional support around the spine, um, both challenger and the full race, to to make sure the races are safe out there. And for mountain rescue and so on, if 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 somebody wanted to, uh, is there like a social membership or how would people donate to yeah, the Mountain absolutely. Rescue? How, how, how can people do that? So there's Mountain Rescue in England and Wales and then there's also um, Scottish Mountain Rescue. And for both of those organisations, people can join as supporters. So donate money and, um, you know, get um, tokens of, of their support, so shirts and things like that, um, and follow the teams and get information about the teams without necessarily being um, volunteers if they're not able to do that. So just look up MREW, Mountain Rescue England and Wales or, or Scottish Mountain Rescue. And um, there's there's lots of information out there for people oh great stuff i'll put that in the notes as well because it's it's an an incredible uh job that you guys do now listen i've got a bit of a thing for islands Uh (laughs) but but (laughs) um you're a bit of an island holic by the looks of it you've raced on jersey we've got like a looped marathon where we are on the same peninsula on and essentially but you live on in on the Outer Hebrides. Uh-huh. How, how long have you been there, and and what 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 what's the size of of that island? So I live um, on the Isle of Lewis, which is actually also called Lewis and Harris, um, uh, in the Western Isles. I've been here about two and a half years. Uh, came up here for work and was able to join the local team. I was, I was living in Derby before that, and then the Channel Islands before that. So yeah, I've definitely got a little bit of a thing for islands. Um, the community feel of islands is uh, fantastic and you get to practice maybe slightly more old-fashioned medicine because there's smaller communities so the isle of lewis is actually a pretty big island um geographically but the population's pretty small i think all together on the western isles which is not just lewis and harris but also the the u.s and benbecula and barrow islands is twenty thousand um spread out over a number of islands and um some of them being quite big islands and how many are on um, on on your island, on the Lewis? Well, I think um, the majority of the Western Isles population is in Stornoway, which is the main town in Lewis. So I think there's 14,000 people in Stornoway. It's, it's a sizable town. Um, ah, right, okay. Maybe, um, I think, perhaps three or 4,000 spread out over the rest of, of a big, big island. So Stornoway is pretty... Um, populous but the there's people who are two or three hours away um, driving and who don't have very much anywhere nearby them and then do you have a marathon or any running events on on lewis at all yeah so the this year was the first harris marathon uh, which went really well, sorry last year 2019 was um the, that went really well. There's a series called the Heb Five, which are um, Hebridean half marathons, and there's five of them, and people can enter for any three and, and get a, a separate medal for, for doing three of them on the three different islands, and that gives people a chance to see the, the differences between the, the islands, and they're all beautiful in their own way. 
And for people that are on the mainland that would like to travel, you know, to to visit the islands, mm-hmm. is it simple enough just, as you say, getting the ferry from the mainland over to the island? And, you know, especially because when you think of islands, you think small, uh, but yeah. as you say, 14,000 people in terms of B&B and yeah, hotels, that, that there's, you know, there's more than enough for them to, to go up. Yeah. I'll put, put the notes in for those races as well. It sounds really cool. Yeah. And then... Right, let's go. Um, spoke with Dougie um, the middle of the week, the the men's winner of the challenger, yeah, yeah. and um, I think spine yeah, challenger. Think, so he won the challenger, whereas I was the yeah. MRT challenger. Just yes. um, only that it's smaller numbers in mine, so I didn't. There's a woman who won the challenger who was faster yes. than me, so I don't want to distract from her. If to any no. listeners who don't know about it um, no. from her achievement. No, not at all. But I, what I wanted to do was um, speak to, well, be- Oh, sorry, you've gone quiet from my end. Sort of thing. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, but it's still incredible what you've done. <laughs> Thank you. So, as you say, you spoke with Dougie. Um, I think the spine races, everybody is keen to find out what people were wearing, although, you know, it's what you wear in your mental um, prep for the race. Do you mind if we talk from head to toe of what you were wearing for? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So in terms of um, let's start on from your toes up to your head, what what, what kit were you wearing on your on your feet, socks and um yeah. so do you, do you do you tape up do you tape your feet before you you go i don't i don't do preparatory taping because i'm pretty lucky with my feet they put up with a lot of nonsense and um i tend not to get recurrent problems with feet so um i was wearing ultra lone peak fours which give you quite a lot of space in the toe box um and i'm a believer in waterproof socks so i was wearing um high waterproof socks with um just normal uh, not expensive um normal everyday socks as liners for them uh for comfort and i changed um into a, a similar pair at hebden and then i wasn't planning another change but of course the mandatory kit is an additional spare pair of socks in your pack and i had a, a lower rising just ankle pair of very thin waterproof socks and actually i did change into those in horton just because it was a uh, a really delightful luxury to put some more dry socks on before I set out on the camp high road. Uh, did you did you say that you had a liner sock underneath these? Or yeah. Did, yeah. I I did for the first two for the thicker pairs, but for the thinner pair, I didn't bother because inevitably you sweat into waterproof socks. And I think if you've got a bamboo sock or a, a cotton sock inside, I know a lot of people disagree with me and say that those getting damp will be bad for you find it a bit more comfortable than just getting a sort of side the, the waterproof sock no of course and i think dougie as well uh wears the high waterproof um yeah so it seems to be a, a trend um sort of thing and then yeah, in yeah. Ter- terms of your your base layer what you were wearing what 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 were you wearing like that so for my legs, just normal uh, running tights. Uh, I can't. I can't remember the brand. To be honest, um, yeah. I think maybe some Innovate winter tights, which are just a little bit thicker. Um, and I wore those unless it was thin 
uh, waterproof trousers from the first half, something along the lines of the Montaigne, um, what the Montaigne Ultralight one's called, something like the brand. Um, and I swapped those out for thicker waterproof socks, for, uh, trousers for the second half, um, thinking I'd be colder. But I regretted that decision. I think I could have stuck with with a lightweight waterproof trouser the whole way through because the weather wasn't actually that cold very disciplined about if it was raining waterproofs went on instantly if it stopped raining they came off and the wind would dry me out so um that worked really well for me oh great stuff and then um your your core and everything what what were you wearing or what was your 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 match sort of thing yeah. for that to give myself options from the start i wore a um a bringy wool string vest uh, sort of short sleeved um string vest they're uh, not the most attractive things to wear on their own i don't know if you've seen them they're hilarious yeah I, it's it's a traditional kind of fell running attire yeah. isn't it yeah absolutely yeah um so i wore that and then i had a very thin merino long sleeve over the top of that and then a, a thin alp kit fleece over the top of that and then my waterproof um on and off when needed and that combination kept me really toasty i know a lot of people who had to retire from the race um did so with hypothermia and my my kit choice and um, just worked well and i guess living in the outer hebrides i've had lots of chance to practice in western <laughs> yeah. weather so uh, i've sort of nailed that down and, and it worked well and then um coats and as you say being living out in the outer hebrides were, were you just gloves or were you gloves and mittens as well and what coat did you have as well my, and hats and so on my waterproof coat was probably my most um risk-taking choice and the one i'm happiest with i, I went with this uh, shake dry gore-tex jacket which is some fairly new product from from them and the whole material is waterproof um, rather than it having a coating but it's quite a delicate fabric so um i think they've been slow to release products it's really lightweight it's really thin and i was i'd only had a chance to to take out on one long run before the race so I was a little bit apprehensive but um, I wore that uh, as I say really disciplined on as soon as it started raining off again and then um, going across the sort of M62 crossing there was a safety point there where the spine safety team were saying tons of people just dropping like flies with hypothermia and I was genuinely toasty warm but I thought um you know let's uh, learn from others um yeah. misfortune and i i was carrying I, I chose to carry more um to sacrifice weight for having options so i was actually carrying a really heavy duty windproof as well um mm. so i chucked that on top just for the remainder to hebden um and i think i must be one of the very few people i walked into hebden i took off my layers and i was completely dry inside and i was wow. really warm. so i was so happy with that and what what was the the shake dry Gore-Tex? What make was that? Did you say? Um, if you if you Google shake dry Gore-Tex, it will be the yeah. only one. It's a really funny. It's not the best looking jacket. It's quite shiny. If you've seen any of the photos of me at the finish, it's like a really bin bag looking yeah. material. But it's really <laughs> comfy. And um, the couple of nice little features as well um, that they've put some sort of velvet feeling fabric over the where the hood comes up over your mouth. So mm. when you have to pull your hood up and zip it up all the way in the cold, you've got something, a nice material against your face. Um, and they've done the same around the cuffs as well. So it's quite comfortable to wear. Um, and unlike, so it doesn't feel like you're just wearing a plastic bag. 
Oh, I'll 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 Google that and then I'll put the um, what it is in the notes yeah, for do. listeners to read I'd through really it. Recommend it. And then for your uh, bag balance and so on, did you mm. have? You see, you know, a lot of runners with the arm mm. or a, a front bag, or did you just use your water as balance for your bag? Or what? What, how, what, what did it work? And what bag did you use? I went with uh, Ultimate Direction and the the new thirty five a fast mm. pack, which was really popular this year. It's they've integrated it, so it's a dry bag um, itself. And it's that bit bigger, of course. It's also got a waist belt strap as well as the chest straps. And um, all of the UD fast packs have the chest straps are on a sliding adjuster. Sorry, that's someone's dog around there. You might be able to hear. That's okay. Um, that's good. <laughs> yeah. And the, the chest straps slide, which is great for women, because depending on uh, how big a chest you have, some chest straps on running bags really don't work for women. And I find that these ones do. Um I used a pouch for my first spine and I chose not to this year because I know of myself that I'm mentally quite lazy when I'm racing and the faff of taking off my bag to change layers or to get food out of the back of my pack actively puts me off doing it. So I end up running the risk of not doing proper self-care just because of a bit of extra faff. So I didn't, I didn't want two things to be fumbling with the straps of and to be thinking about. So I, had my water bottles in the back um sort of squash side um pockets on the pack which i could reach just by reaching around behind myself had all of the front pockets just to use for for food and other things that i might need sort of on and off throughout the race and it meant that if i changed layers i could just chuck the pack pack off layer off pack back on go and it it really helped me out oh fantastic and were you poles or not poles not poles and i i think they should be poles i i think all of the evidence is that poles reduce the damage to your legs your legs get less trashed and a lot of people find they really help them with balance on the spine because there's so much mud and there's so many sort of tricky bits in the rocks but i don't train with them and um uh, until i can find the um mental fortitude to like suck it up and start practicing with them and get over that first step of of mm. being useless with them I, I can't just go into a race with them without practicing yeah and I, uh, yeah I, I wouldn't say the spines one just to yeah. try out new things <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. um and then in terms of your food um as you say quite a lot of people just go for your standard um you know shop bought food Mm -hmm. and what were what were your go-to snacks and um that you'd have uh during the race well i don't know how much listeners should learn from me because my nutrition didn't go brilliantly Ah, and i i pretty much felt sick from about uh, maybe 30 but like studley pike area about 33 miles in from Mm. then on i felt nauseated throughout and really struggled to eat and um was uh, pretty grumpy about it but my target was to eat 200 calories an hour and again I know I'm not very good at that so I have to just be disciplined and make a rule so literally on the hour on the clock I would eat something that was 200 calories and I'd made up my food into two 3,000 calorie packs that had a variety of snacks each of which was about 200 calories um, so that I could just choose in the moment but there was no choice about whether or not I would eat it was just what I would eat Um, and I had quite a mix of things so I had these uh I filled up one of my water bottles at the start with milkshake 
um, half of a bottle would be 200 calories so that I could get liquid calories in early that were quite tasty and different to other foods. I had some cereal bars. Um, I had some of those like bounce balls, but I found they were so dense. Eating them was just a chore. Um, mm. A Chia Charge bar went down much better because it was soft, but um, so dry, like you just have to wash it down with water. Um which is not the fault of the food, but just once you're running that distance and your mouth is dry, you start struggling to enjoy food, or I do um, start struggling to enjoy food because I'm just having to wash it down with a, a gulp of water. It's like taking medicine, really. Um, the food that I actually enjoyed, though, I mean, I stopped at Gargrave and, and bought a pastry, and that was delicious. Great. Um, Lothersdale were doing soup, and I, you know, soup's not that calorific, but just getting some salt and some hots into you is really good. I really enjoyed that. Um, and otherwise, it was just forcing myself. I, I ended up, I had a massive bar of um, tablets in Scotland, so like fudge, like, um, and I couldn't eat anything. I felt sick. So I just made myself have like a tiny piece of that every time I started feeling particularly exhausted or dizzy or woozy. Um, so that I was just holding the sugar in my mouth and absorbing it. And um, it wasn't uh, enough calories, but it was enough to keep me moving. So, um, yeah, still still working on my nutrition, I guess. And is that has that been the, the same for like all your ultras? Do you, do you normally have um a, a stage where you, you're having to eat for the sake of eating rather than yeah um, you're okay yeah it, and that's I think, always been the case for me yeah i think it, it it's a it's a, a sign of true grit because as you say it, it's hard enough to do these races mentally and physically but then if you know that you've got you know certain stomach issues because that's just how your body is it's busy yeah. trying to do other things but no, hats off to you with that. And then for anybody that's looking to do the, um, you know, the, the races, what, what's what been your little, um, well, gold nuggets of training that you do that you fall back on whenever you're in the race thinking, oh, I'm glad I did that um, yeah, training. Yeah, that's or, a good question. Yeah. Um, that's a really good question. I think... As unhelpful as it sounds, a lot of it is the dedication to your training. When you look back at a hard point in the race, you're like, look, you got up at 5 a.m. and went out in hail. Like, maybe you should just crack on um, and reward yourself for that hard work. Um, so that in itself, just the knowing that you've put the hours in and that you don't want to throw that away really helped me. Um I did some quite long training runs. So I did like a 30 mile training run, um, which is, um, I think physiologically, when you look at the evidence, you probably don't need to do for fitness, but mm. really helps me um, test out my kits, test out really little things like, I say, so you say you're going to eat every hour. Well, do you have enough pockets for that much food? And how often are you going to have to move food around? Can you see your watch when you're wearing enough layers for a hailstorm? Um, really uh pernickety things that you test yeah. out on those long runs that helps a lot i think and in terms of as you say seeing your watch are you one of these people that wear your watch over your coat um, no sleeve I, or how, how do you how do you overcome that i um 
just wear it as normal and end up sort of yanking sleeves back. But because I'm only aiming to eat every hour and I'm not using it to track distance and I'm not using it to navigate, um, that that works all right for me. Right. Yeah. Um, and again, like taking layers on and off, I think is so important for staying dry because um, a lot of people do let themselves work up a sweat on a hill and they're the people who get cold later on. And then it will just um, last bit of kit, (laughs) find a tooth comb. Sorry. What was your um, head torch? What what did you have? Oh, so actually I used a a light belt, which is a a waist belt light. Um, It's a brand that they only sell in America, which is quite annoying. Um, But they have really high lumen. I can't remember. It's something ridiculous. Like, I don't know, 1500 lumens or something. That's Um, the moon. Uh, yeah (laughs) yeah and um the battery life so i had it on it's like medium low setting it's got five settings and um it claims battery life of 18 hours on that and it certainly gave me something around 18 hours um on that and uh it's a really easy like elasticated waistband that just uh, magnetically clips itself together so taking it off and back on again was no bother and it i just find that head torches they end up giving me a headache and in winter british running you're inevitably going to be running through fog <laughs> rain snow or yeah. all at some point um so your visibility just instantly goes goes down massively whereas if you have your light on your waist then you don't have all of that glare in your face um i was really happy with that as well um that's probably my second favorite piece piece of kit for this race uh, I had to switch to head torch eventually when the battery ran out sort of on the cam high road. And uh, I was uh, really uh, whinging about the head torch by comparison. <laughs> and uh, and then in terms, do you, do you know the make of what that was? Because we had, um, I think it was David Mather who asked in um, the beautiful, brutal community. Mm-hmm. He was talking about this last night, about looking for, a, as you say, a chest waist um torch what what what's the brand of that one did you say it's, so um, it's called light and light um when you look it comes up just with an american website which unfortunately that's the only place that does it um yeah. and so i bought it in the us and and then had it shipped uh, yeah and there was just no other product in the uk that that does that um, cool. so they that they do shipping and so on over to the uk well, they I had to do it via someone I know in the US, so I bought it, sent it to their address, and they sent it on for me. But uh, I'm actually going to be – it was so useful to me. I'm going to message them and uh, thank them for the product and let them know that they need to start marketing it here because we've got a few chest and light and waist lights that I tried to look at to see if I wouldn't have to go through that faff, and they just didn't have anywhere near the battery power or the, the brightness. Oh, that's fantastic. And are they uh, – you know, this company that uh, – well, Light Belt, uh, are they through and through just for um runners and hikers is that is that where is that their history sort of thing yeah yeah i think so their website all seems to be targeted at that because they talk about you know some of the benefits for runners of um having the lower light pick up the texture of the terrain ahead and stuff so i think that that's what they're targeting um i feel like i should be getting a uh, sponsorship from them with how much i'm playing them up here but they really Let's do, do it. it uh it was it was a great um help for my race definitely I I think you should be the ambassador, and we can, <laughs> we can put the spin. Everybody who lives on an island should have yeah. one of these torches, yeah. as endorsed by Ella. Yeah, Brilliant. exactly. And then, um, so 
we've only done a month. Well, we haven't even done a month yet in 2020. Uh-huh. What's well, what's the rest of this year going to be look like for yourself, um, Ella? Well, um, I've done something I don't normally do and, and put two races quite um, quickly in succession just because I was really excited by both of them. So I've actually got a race uh, next month, uh, which is the last one standing, uh, yeah. which is one of those sort of um, looped last man standing style events um, in Castlewood in uh, Northern Ireland. So I'm, I'm oh, really nice. excited for that. And is that the... Is that the, the one that's like a spin-off from the Badwater one, the last month's standing? Yeah, is that the one? exactly, yeah. So, and it, they even, they actually have a golden ticket to the original one um, for the winner of this event. Um, and uh, I think they've got a 48-hour limit, so it, it won't be, you know, Courtney DeWalter wouldn't be able to do her thing there. But um, <laughs> I, I don't think there's many of us who can get to 48 hours anyway. So, um my main goal there would be um, if I manage 24 hours, that would be my first sub 24 hour 100 miler. So that yeah. would be, uh, that's my sort of going in goal, because I think on that sort of thing, it really helps have a concrete plan and a reason to head out on the next loop. Uh, but I think it's just going to be a really fun event. I think the atmosphere is going to be uh, great and you get to run with lots of different people because pacing isn't quite so important. So mm. I'm really looking forward to that. And as you say, I think whenever you've got the mindset of, compete rather than complete you, yeah. you, you you're working towards something and then for people that don't know about last man standing is it something it's like uh, is it 4.6 miles in an hour is it, i think it's something it? like 4.2 or so it, it works out so that exactly 100 miles is done at the end of the 24th uh in the 24 hours so um when you hit 24 hours, you've done 100 miles and you have to all be lined up at the start and start your next loop on the hour, every hour. And there's just a war of attrition as uh, people either don't make the time for the next loop or just can't face starting another loop. And there's only a single finisher. So everyone else gets a, a DNF medal and there's there's one finisher. I love it. And then that time that you come back within the hours, as you say, just to stock up and yeah, um, yeah. cry in your hands or just um, get yourself psyched up. And that's where, sorry, did you say that? Uh, last Castle, Castle Ward in Northern Ireland. Castle Ward. Mm-hmm. And is there camping and so on? Is that how that one is? Or is there yeah, going to be exactly. like a big hall? Yeah, so you're allowed to set up a tent next to the um, start-finish line with your stuff in. And I can only imagine how tempting that roll mat's going to start looking. Um, <laughs> but I am really looking forward to backpack because i've been doing all my training runs with packs for the last couple of months and uh running free without a pack is going to feel beautiful oh, no, I, I, it does doesn't it it feels if you've uh, yeah. been like on some kind of big mad diet um, yeah <laughs> exactly and, and then so yeah. yeah that's january the rest of the year is that yeah. you done or what's the plan um, no other races booked, um, but in May, a friend, in fact, uh, Izzy Oakley, who also ran in the MRT Challenge, but unfortunately had to retire at Hebden, um, she and I are planning just the two of us to try and um, sort of fast pack along the Hebridean Way, which um, comes up through all of the Western Isles from, from south to north, and we both live in the north, um, and just do that together. We're trying to look into whether we should try and uh, do it as an official attempt at an FKT because as far as we know, there's no women's um, FKT for the route uh, on foot. But uh, we'll just be doing it as a holiday. It'd be great fun. Holiday, uh, fastest known time. Uh, that's what I like. Go for yeah. it. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> and then for listeners that like to you know, find out what else you're doing and a little bit of your story. I know you're on Twitter. 
Um, are yeah. you on, you know, uh, Instagram and that kind of thing as well? How would people just um, follow what you're what you're doing? So Twitter's probably the best way. And then also I've got my blog, which is called Small Island Runner, uh, which is on WordPress because um, I'm old school. So, yeah, if you Google Small Island Runner with my name, Ella Corrick, uh, I put race reports up there. I'm trying to get back into the swing of actually um, blogging about trading as well. But I'll definitely be putting up a, a race report for the spine and I'll put up a, a thing about my kit as well, because I feel like that's something that went well for me. And I know a lot of people go back through blogs when they're planning their own race. So I want to contribute because I've had my uh, share of help from other people's blogs. Mm. No, I think, yeah, it, it, it's very helpful, the blogs. And you're, you're very well written, um, which is which is good. And I'm just going to mention your your club. Is it still the Nash Hill Runners? Is that who you run for? Or no? So I'm currently unaffiliated. Oh. I sometimes do run away with the Storn- yeah. I do run with the Stornaway Club, but um, yeah, unaffiliated at the moment. And um, so Hebrides Mountain Rescue Team, I guess, is who I was this time. Oh, good stuff. Oh, good. Well, listen, Ella, thanks ever so much uh, for coming on the show. Um, and, and off she runs now. She's running off into the distance. I'll, I'll have a catch up with you, I think, after your fastest known time holiday, if that's OK. Is that OK? Yeah. Ella, no if, if we do that, brilliant. And then so right, off she goes. She's running off. Bye. I'm just gonna, bye-bye. I'm just going to cut a melon, get some more flat cocoa completely out of salted potatoes and wait for the next guest on at the checkpoint thanks so much see ya